Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Game Talk Radio. I'm your host, Greg. I know it's been a few weeks, but I'm back. And I'm back for a specific reason. Uh, if you've been following me on Twitter, or if you've, well, been collecting video games over the last year, you've watched some of the prices just go bonkers. It, just insane on some on what some of the things we're selling for a year ago to what they're selling for now. And I wanted to talk about it. And I decided that I wanted to get somebody who I've wanted to talk to on the podcast for a long time. I've got a special guest this week. And I wanted to I wanted to get him on specifically because he has a YouTube channel. Uh, started around the same time that, that we started the drop rate. So we're kind of like, you know, YouTube bros coming up together. And, and he he focuses some of his videos on the pricing and the, the increase of rarity of these games. So without further ado, I want to introduce to everyone, to my friend Nick, who goes on super, uh, excuse me, he goes on YouTube as Super Nintendo. So look him up and give him a sub, of course. Um, who has his series, like I had mentioned, something called Retronomics, and it's basically a, an awesome video series about the rise and fall of video game prices. So Nick, thank you very much for popping on the show, man. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Um, thanks for having me on. Like I, I don't really do too many uh, interview things because time is always a factor, but. I mean, it's it's great to actually like sit down and actually talk to you um, for a little bit instead of just popping in the store and waving hi. Yeah, and and that's always such a weird relationship too, you know, because when I'm at the store, I'm I'm kind of in work mode sometimes, and it's hard to like get candid with someone. You know, I got almost like got my defenses up where it's like, hey, I'm I'm busy, I'm working with stuff, but obviously I'm nice to people. <laughs> but like sometimes even my friends will stop in, um, like like my close friends and i'm just like kind of i don't want to say i'm blowing them off but i'm very much putting them almost as customers like oh i'll help you when i can you know <laughs> stand over there <laughs> so uh so it's cool and and i know i missed you last time you had stopped up on your way up uh, to door county i think you were going into or up to michigan yeah we went up to the upper um peninsula oh nice, was, nice. um uh, my mother-in-law's birthday it was my birthday so we decided um to go up there uh, rented an airbnb and uh, it was pretty good, but yeah, like we stopped by um, just to go. But yeah, like I know how like you guys are have, have been always like at least definitely busy when I've gone up there. So I mean, I guess that's pretty good though. Yeah, it's it's one of those weird things. I it, it's hard to explain to people. I think you'll get it. You know, it's hard to explain to people because yes, it's we are a lot busier than we were at this time last year. Well, technically we were closed at this time last year, but normally this this season around the April, May time, we get a little, we stay a little steady and then we die down during the summer. And this last year, it has been nonstop since we reopened after doing curbside pickup for the month we did it. So June 1st, when we reopened, it was like gangbusters. And it's been like that now for 10 months. And so we're definitely ready for a little bit of a slowdown, but it's hard to explain because yes, obviously it's great that we're busy and, and everyone always says that. And it is, except sometimes it's nice to be like, but it's nice. It's going to be nice to not be this busy again. <laughs> like I always jokingly tell people, I, I open, I'd never opened my store to be as busy. as I was at my busiest GameStop store that I managed back in the day. I didn't want it to ever be like that. I wanted to hang out, sell some video games, play some video games and just kind of chill. You know, <laughs> like that was supposed to be the idea, which sadly, uh, has not been the case the last couple of years. <laughs> yeah. That's been, I have a full time. So, cause I used to work at a, um, video game store um back in 2015 like i i the biggest one uh here in chicago is called people play games and that was that was like a nice little experience because i had been out of retail for a while and you know i just decided like 
on a whim too, just to apply for that store because I had always wanted to work at a video game store, and I'm like, you know what? I'll, I'll apply because it was just like a ham, you know, just happened by chance. Like I, I was going, I I was buying Kingdom Hearts or something like that for the PlayStation Two, and they always like resurface their discs when they, um, you know, they sell them to you. And so I'm waiting for the disc to be resurfaced, and like the guy, the clerk is like, "Hey, did you hire anybody yet?" And you know they were talking back and forth. I was like, <laughs> "Oh, you guys are hiring?" He's like, "He's like, yeah, but it's only it's only part time. It's only Saturday, um, you know, like once a week." And I was like, "That's perfect because <laughs> I work like a full time job Monday through Friday. You know why not? You know." And so it's like I think they paid me minimum wage at the time which was in chicago was like ten dollars an hour so like i i cleaned video games all day and <laughs> like it was nice because like you can just talk about video games and stuff because like certain time frames between you know there's certain hours where it's just like nothing to do except for clean video games um but it it's a, it was a really small store and the store owner, he was, you know, pretty paranoid about like theft and everything like that. So every, every, it was like a boutique store. So like if you came in with a backpack or something like that, you had to leave it at the, at the counter and you always had to like, and it wasn't so hard because like one person maybe would walk in at a time, but sometimes you get like five or 10 people in there and he had to make sure that everybody was not stealing and stuff because it's like a small store and like everything wasn't behind glass at the time it was just kind of like all on a shelf sure you know it's cool i didn't know you worked there i i actually i have fond memories of that store when i first started hitting the chicago area going game hunting i remember that i went to that store i think it was after i opened my store but i remember looking at it going like this is the only store i've been to and this is gonna sound really arrogant and i'm i'm sorry like people listen to the podcast know i'm typically a pretty humble guy but uh like it was the only store i ever went to that i felt like was equivalent to my store and that was before the other stores that exist now like there's one in appleton or in menasha called uh press start games and then in oshkosh there's start over games those game stores very much remind me of my store as well um but specifically like at the time I felt like it was me, and then the only other star I found like that was people play games. So that's pretty cool. You worked there. I, I like that place quite a bit. Yeah, like we, I remember when he opened up too. Like my friend and I, between him and like we must have kept him open for his first year because like <laughs> we would buy like because he started it with his own personal collection. Um, that sounds and, very familiar. <laughs> and like he, that's how he started, and he kept doing it, and like he was just always just kind of he kept to himself so he didn't really talk too much but he didn't really trust anybody either and so it it kind of was like awkward like anytime that you walk in because he used to be like the person who worked there all the time and then eventually like you know he the store got a little bit more successful so then he like would only come in the office like um you know two or three times a uh, a week just to do like the books and everything like that and he he's really in he was like really into the selling part of it and he got into like the amazon um fulfillment by amazon business oh, sure like he got into that like in the ground floor and he's like he 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 would ever ever so often like because that was the one thing too is like he would never like really confide in you like what his like sources were 
because he wanted to keep it by himself because like that's what he would do every morning on saturdays he'd go to garage sales and stuff and he would always come in with like just random stuff like he you know eventually like towards the tail end of the store because the store is closed now but you know obviously as time goes on like the games coming in just weren't you know paying the bills so he would come in with like sony radios and all this other stuff to flip oh sure sure and he would just come in like from thrift stores and stuff like that with just bags and bags of stuff he'd be like you know the store would open at 12 and you know i'd be there at like 11 30 or something like that and he'd come in and be like hey can you just unpack the car i got like a whole bunch of stuff <laughs> and he like he was just like radios like sometimes he'd find like sealed board games or just all this stuff he's like yeah i need all this clean and stuff so that way he can you know test it out see if it goes in and stuff and but like one time he did come out with um he found haunting ground for playstation nice. 2 like just you know really good shape for a dollar and... <laughs> it's amazing but, yeah like i it it was just it was it was fun but um at the end towards the end i'm like i can't be doing this like i was getting married that year so i was like towards the end of the summer i'm like i can't work for you anymore because like i'm gonna need to take off time and you know i i, I don't want to continue to like request time off and like if you're you know gonna hire somebody else who is actually gonna come in he's like yeah i understand but i mean it was a fun experience though i mean i that's the last time I'll work retail, though, because <laughs> I mean, you get some choice people in here. I understand, my man. It it takes it is a special it is a special industry. <laughs> yeah, like we we had this one guy come in, and I guess he was like from California or something like that, and he was just a royal just piece of work. And I people come into the store and stuff, and they're looking around and stuff. I go, hey, can I help you find something? You know, and he he like turned to me he's like oh what do you mean find something and i was like yeah do, you look like you're looking for something like what are you looking for and stuff he's like no if i wanted to hear that question i would have gone to gamestop like blah blah you know i was like okay like <laughs> oh jeez i'm like i don't know what you're looking for here man like this is the first time that you come into the store like i i don't know what to say and so he's like he's like i want to know like everything because like he um he would keep the controllers on the pegboards on the back like behind the counter mm -hmm. so if you wanted some like controllers and stuff like you'd have to have thing so he wanted me to go through every single peg like on the thing it, just in case like he wanted something oh sure and, <laughs> and i was like oh no i'm not doing that sorry like i just like turned around i you know because like one i'm working there half time and you know if i get fired i get fired it's not like the end of the world but um eventually like the the one girl she did it though and like and he eventually i forgot what he bought like it was some weird like half controller thing that split into two and he's like and he's like this this is what i was looking for and stuff you see you see if you hadn't have like spent like 20 minutes or you know to an hour <laughs> looking through this you would have never sold this and like i'm like hate to break to you but the owner does not like to sell anything <laughs> like i I've, I've gotten yelled at of like trying to upsell people you know because i'm like 
you know, hey, like if you buy this, you know, and this, like this, you know, is kind of the equivalent and stuff. You move more product and stuff, and like the manager would be like, hey, man, like you know, product is is kind of at a premium. We don't really want to sell everything all at the same go. And you know, like it's funny you say that because I, this is something I've talked about a lot. It, it's the it's the used game store. It's the ecosystem. And I'm I'm not the biggest um, Pat the NES and Ian Punk or Pat the NES Punk and Ian podcast the the CU podcast like I'm not a big fan of that I'm, I'm not a super big fan of those guys but but Ian one time because he runs a game store he made it you know he talked about it and I was like finally like somebody else who gets it and and there's like this this fragile ecosystem and it's weird because we're so different from most stores because everything we sell we buy from our customers with a few exceptions obviously some new accessories. And so while, and we've been in a trade deficit for the better part of a year now because we're selling way more than we're buying because more people are buying than selling. And, and so there's an ecosystem there though, where you, yeah, I mean, I could sell my whole store on eBay tomorrow and then have a ton of money in the bank and nothing on the shelf to bring people into the store. And and so there's, it's, it's weird that way in retail, like you almost have to balance your inventory and make sure that you have something to entice people to come back in to sell you their stuff so that you can sell that stuff. And it's like a whole formula. In fact, it goes into the percentages you pay, uh, you know, what you pay for a game percentage wise based on what your percentage of your trade-ins are to your sales. So you're keeping a level inventory versus, you know, making, putting money in the bank, but also not starving your store of inventory. So it's, it's funny that you had an owner that would do that because at first, like when you hear that, you think that's really dumb. Like, what owner would not want to sell stuff? But there is an ecosystem there that is is a bit like I don't want to say fragile, but it's it's something like it exists. You know, and GameStop kind of called it the the cycle of life or the circle of life or the four pillars. They've changed the names over the last twenty years like a hundred times, but the idea was the same: is that it was an ecosystem that that had to have one piece working and another piece working and. And I, I think that used games are a big part of that, even when it comes to new game sales. Uh, and, and I know there's a lot of developers that hate used game sales or hated the way GameStop did used games because they were so pushy with it and they felt like it takes sales away from new games. But it's also part of the ecosystem, I think, too, where you need people because not everyone can afford new games for full price and everything. So, um, But uh, with that being said, so I want I want to talk turkey. So let's get to it. Um, before we do start though, uh, I heard you in the pre-show, I heard you crack, crack a can open. Uh, what are, what are you drinking? All right. So what I'm drinking here, like this has been like our, our oasis, I would say through the entire pandemic. (laughs) It's a, it's called temperance beer company. They're in Evanston, Illinois. And, uh, this one that I'm drinking is called splash of red. And it's a it's a bitter ale with cold brew coffee and cherry puree. Oh damn, that sounds very good. <laughs> yeah, it it's I think it's one of their newer ones this year and stuff. But like, we love them because they they have like this big parking lot, and they're like, okay, like we're gonna have this thing where you you know because it's pandemic and everything, you obviously can't come into the brewery and stuff. So. What we're going to do is you order ahead, you order like a six pack or whatever, and then you tailgate and like you just sit there and like your car gets parked in one spot and then you have another spot to like set up like chairs and stuff and you guys can like just chill out and stuff. I'm like, man, this is pretty good. That's that's (laughs) pretty cool. And I mean, it's, it's like the best solution to an impossible situation, you know? 
Yeah, it, it definitely. We've we've had to be creative of um, finding our entertainment, you know, because we live in Chicago, so like a lot of stuff has to be done indoors. So like if you if you're creatively bankrupt and stuff, you're gonna have a bad time this year. <laughs> um. So I had, I had, uh, I came home and I rushed because I worked all day. So I, I came home, I rushed to eat. After after a pretty decently sized meal, I I go with something light. So I'm just I'm enjoying a nice Liney's summer shandy on this very brisk Wisconsin day. It was literally snowing earlier here. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was snowing here too. <laughs> um, but hey, you know, perfect perfect weather for a summer shandy. Um, but uh, I, I understand too because I've seen a few pictures of you on Twitter where you you do partake in one of the treasures of my state which is spotted cow. I've, I've seen you, uh, enjoy a, a one or two. Yeah, we definitely, um, uh, make sure to grab one of those, um, a case of those when we get, um, in, uh, in the, like when we're up there, um, because one thing that like I, I like to do is go up to, um, we go up to Burlington, Wisconsin and we eat, um, there's this burger joint called, um, called fred's best it's called fred's on Parkview or something like that but basically like i've been eating up there since like i was like three or four years old we go up to fred's burgers and stuff and like so that's like always my connection to like wisconsin and stuff is to just go up there because like you can take you could just go up to kenosha and then you drive you know uh west until you hit it um so like so yeah we'd always stop at that gas station on the way back home and like get like a case nice of spotted cow <laughs> and i remember like one time because back when like it first started getting really popular and stuff and like i told my dad because my dad worked for fedex and he would um he would deliver to lake geneva and i'd be like hey can you just pick me up like a case of spotted cow He's like, I guess. And like at the time, like it took me a while to like get back out there to like get him. And he had already drank like a six pack of it. And he's like, I don't know what you think about this beer and stuff like that. I'm like, dad, you've just been drinking Bud Light your entire life. <laughs> you know, so. Well, what's funny is I'm not much of a beer guy. Uh, I've never been much of a beer guy. I've always been more of a mixer kind of guy. And um, so I'm really picky. I was a cider guy for a while and I really like that and I just didn't get down on many beers and my my wife is a huge beer connoisseur so she you know she's always trying to introduce me to stuff but when I first had spotted cow like man it just it hit some note I don't know how to say it and so I you know I talk to people like I've got a friend who does beer distribution uh in like north central Wisconsin and and I'm like hey man you know you're the expert on this stuff you've been to a million small breweries like what what out there is like spotted cow and and he'll be like well it's a farmhouse ale uh, and then he, he can never come up with anything that comes close. And I just think that's so strange that, you know, you know, and maybe it's just because it's not that popular overall, um, that style, but man, I, I absolutely love it too. And normally I'd have one of those. I don't, I didn't have any in the fridge. Sadly, <laughs> I opted for the lineys last week when I went to the liquor store. <laughs> yeah, we, we've been, um, we used to be really big into beer, um, a couple of years ago. And then what happened was, is that everybody started catching on that ipas were like easier to make and they're harder to screw up so basically everybody would come out with ipas and i don't i don't really care for ipas because they're too bitter for me so yeah i'm with you on that yep i was like "Eh," thing and then like the nitro brew craze that 
that really started to kick <laughs> off and i was like all right now now we're talking because those are pretty great like i um what did i do like the one time i yeah. i went and uh, there was a, a brewery called um dovetail um and it's like you know, right by our apartment and we go up there and they had a it it was like a root beer and like a german style beer together and like they had like a really smoky one so it, it tasted like smoked meats and so they would mix it with the root beer and it would it was just amazing that somehow like very, sounds really good and really gross at the same time but it does sound good <laughs> well yeah if you're gonna sell it yeah like you sound when i'm talking about it it's like yeah you can you taste the smoke like in the like it, it tastes like meat like in your like, <laughs> that doesn't sound appetizing at all i'm like well, you just gotta try it you know like that's I'm I'm not a, a seller on beer though. But. Exactly. Um so like like I mentioned earlier, you do a YouTube series called Retronomics and you do a bunch of YouTube videos. You you have a variety of good video game themed content. So I don't want to pigeonhole you as you just doing this Retronomics thing, but um I I quite enjoy these. Um part of what I like about it, well one I like talking game prices. I think it's interesting. It it relates to my line of work. Uh I consider myself an expert and I see the trends and patterns on a daily basis. So it's, I like that. It's cool to see. Um, but I also like, like I was watching your most recent, uh, the one you just released today. And what I like about it with the, with the PS3 prices. And what I liked about it was that you, you explain like if you should buy a game and it's not based solely on what it's worth. And I kind of like that, you know, because ultimately like my job, I always tell people, my job is to get that person, the right game. When I do a game review, the way I try to angle that, and I don't do many anymore, but when I was, I was trying to not tell you if the game's good or not, because that's just my opinion and who really cares, but it was more like, would you like the game based on what you like? So let me explain what the game is like. And I kind of like that from, from your PS3 video, I watched that and I thought, that's what I kind of feel here. You're saying, hey, in this situation, if you like this and you do this, you should pick up the game at this price. And some of it obviously was price factor. Uh, as well, like thinking if it'll go back up or down, but for, I, I liked that a little bit. So I just wanted to say I, I, congratulations on that video today. I thought it was really good. Yeah, I mean it, that that's the thing about Retronomics is is basically yeah, like when I originally started it out, like I was kind of like, well, how does X affect whatever and everything? Because like I had worked at the video game store, you know, a couple of years prior and stuff, and I, and I definitely knew like what the trends were. You know, like I would. At the beginning of my shift, I would always make sure to see if Mario or Super Smash Brothers for the Nintendo 64 was in stock because at least three or four calls we'd get, hey, do you have Super Smash Brothers in stock? You know, like those are kind of like I always keep track of the trends and like that's what I actually do for my job. I was like, I'm a data analyst. So, oh, um, nice. Yeah. So, like, I'm like, I want to keep those trends, but like also, like, as, as it's, as these have gotten popular because now like it used to be like you know maybe get like a hundred to 200 views on like one of these um retronomic episodes and now they're like starting to like actually um get a decent amount of views because i've like learned a little bit more about how to um tag my videos and everything but one of the things that got them like trying to go big was um i think it was like back in august yeah rgt85 was like hey like you guys gotta buy gamecube games like right now because they're only gonna go up and they're never gonna go down and i was like whoa that's not 
exactly right and like so i like looked at the prices and stuff because i go from price trading i look at them from like month to month and you know I, I look at like what the price changes are and stuff and i was like hey like these are slowing down so like maybe you should like wait and you know because they're they're not gonna go up forever and then sure enough like it was it's funny because like i used rgt in the name so a lot of people just saw that as oh, like yeah. Oh, he's he's just he's he's trying to write his cocktails and stuff. So like they would leave me nasty comments, but like you know, as time went on, they're like, "Hey, you're actually right. Like the prices are going down. Like, oh my god, you know, like and that like that gave me a lot of you know, um authority on that. So I was like, "Okay, now I want to cuz like they had um been dropping for like a month or two. So I was like, "Okay, I'm going to do it in December. I'm going to do a follow-up." And so I did that video and I was like, GameCube prices are falling. I'm like, will they go lower? And I was like looking at it and I was like, mm, you should probably buy now because like if you don't, then, you know, they'll probably go up because Christmas, like people tend to buy stuff around Christmas time and everything. So then in like February or something like that, the prices started going back up. And of course, like the video is titled GameCube prices are falling. Will they go lower? <laughs> and and so like they don't look at the date so right. the one this one person was like oh you know you're you're incorrect because prices are right up like he's like i don't i don't know like he's like i don't know where you get these prices from you know because like they're not def <laughs> they're definitely not you know thing and i was like um well, yeah, because I did the video back in December and it's February now. And I was trying to be really nice with him, but he kept like doubling down on it and everything. And he's like, he's like, I don't think you understand because like there's different conditions and all this other stuff. And people might want to pay more for like a super mint copy and like that might affect it. And I was like, I don't think that you're quite getting exactly what Retronomics is. And so like that, that prompted me to do another because like he kept doubling down and. Um, you know, if you've ever dealt with like YouTube comments and stuff, it's sometimes it's just a fool's <laughs> errand to keep replying to people. Yeah. Well, and, you try to engage them, you know, like I, I feel like that's a benefit to being a smaller YouTuber is that you can interact with your audience in a way that the larger YouTubers won't. And, and I think that's really neat until those people ruin it. And now you understand why the larger YouTubers don't respond to comments because they were probably dealing with this when they were not as big and they made that, you know, decision years earlier to be like, you know what, forget these people. There's no saving them. There's no convincing them. Like, just let them go. <laughs> yeah. Like, and, and yeah, like I understand that. So then I, I made a video following up on GameCube prices because that's one thing that I don't. I don't like as a YouTuber, I don't like talking about the same topic like more than once um, unless it's something that I can add information to. So I rarely do um, videos on topics like more than once. So I decided I was like, OK, prices are actually going up. I, I should actually make like another video just to kind of like because I was I kept getting comments like, hey, man, like, the prices are really high, high, you know. I was like, okay, fine. I'll make an update video because I don't want it to look like I'm, you know, full of beans. So <laughs> I I did a, you know, price forecast. And, like, the guy who started the comment section with me back in February, he commented on this video. And he's like, hey, like, thanks for taking my advice and stuff like that. You see, like, this is how you analyze and stuff because, like, da-da-da-da-da. And I was like, I didn't change 
anything <laughs> of how I've been doing this. Like I've been doing this for three years. Like I have a formula that I do. I won't like I don't disclose it just because like the way that YouTube works is I've had certain people like look at my ideas and be like, that's a really good idea. I think I'm going to steal it. And like, they have the more effort to like put out more content faster and stuff like that. So I don't really want to be like an idea farm for these larger, um, these larger channels and stuff. So I, I keep it like as a closely guarded, um, not a closely guarded secret. I mean, like, but I don't tell like what the intricacies are because like I've developed a method to like make sure that I can do it fast enough. Because back when I first started doing it, like each game took me like 20 minutes to analyze, and now it takes about like 15 seconds. So like I've reduced the process because like these were really hard to make back in the day. But I told him I was like, hey, like I've been doing this for three years, nothing has changed. The only reason why you're agreeing with this video right now is because you're watching it two days after I posted it instead of two months. I'm <laughs> <laughs> um, like, cause I called him, like, I kind of like alluded to him in the comments. Cause like now, now when I ever do these videos, I was like, Hey, like FYI, if you're watching this in like June and the prices aren't relevant to you, like, I'm sorry, but that, you know, I, I can't do anything about that. Well, and I wanted to say, I thought it was really funny, but I thought you did it really well in the beginning of that video, because you do say, you you say specifically like hey if you're here you know and you're watching us two months later welcome and please subscribe i love that man it was perfect it's the nicest way to say it but to also tell people like hey this is old information i i did a video um where uh, about a friend of mine josh he um on youtube he's suggestive gaming and he had his content ripped off by a large youtube channel called game ranks and Mm. so i did a video about it and i actually um I, did I have him on for that one? I forget. I don't know if I had him on for that one or in any case. And I remember, so like I did that or whatever and the video's done. It's out there. It gets like a thousand views, whatever. A lot of thumbs up. People like it. It's fine. Then all of a sudden, like eight months later, I start getting tons of views on it again. And it started popping up as the next video recommended after watching like Game Rank's newest video. Game Rank has like 4 million subscribers. So the next video that was being recommended to the people who watched that video was, hey, you should watch this video about how Game Rank stole this content from this guy. <laughs> and and so like people were leaving these comments and saying stuff like, this is BS, where's your proof? Why don't you have any proof? And so I had to like leave a pinned comment and it was like, hey, just wanted to let you know, here's the proof. Said here's the guy who did it, admitting he did it. And don't forget, this video is almost a year old. Have a nice day. <laughs> like, people just don't put that together. It's so it's so wild. Yeah, I mean, and that's kind of the thing, too, is, like, I've, I've learned a lot about, like, how YouTube suggests other content and what, how to actually, like, get views on stuff, you know? Because it's kind of like, you don't... A lot of people, like, when they're coming up and stuff, and they have a video that bombs, like, you know, like, I've had videos that bomb, like, it it happens, but, like, some people, they're like, well, it's the algorithm and everything, I was like, well, one of the things that I'm looking at is, is that if you're, if you're taking a, a video, like, say that Spawn Wave, he's a pretty big guy, like, he talks about a topic, and then you talk about the topic afterwards, like, you're not going to get that many views because like spawn wave, he's got like a bigger following and stuff. So he's got like a bigger SEO rank. And so like, if you talk about something that he just talked about, like 
you're not going to get as many views as he did. But if he talks about something that you talked about before him, then like those views kind of like trickle in and everything. Like I did a, a video a long time ago when um, video game donkey, um, he said he didn't like Octopath Traveler. Um, and that was like a big like fiasco. Mm-hmm. And, I that. and he's like, yeah, you know, like I just, I don't play these games and stuff like that. I don't like JRPGs. It, like it, whatever you know he hams it up for comedic effect and everything but people ripped him apart because he's like oh you gotta play the game all the way through you know like you gotta play the 25 hour campaign or whatever you know to get a good feel for it (laughs) i'm like that doesn't make any sense so like i made a video called like like let's talk about donkey's octopath traveler review and i was just like and at the time i didn't script my videos i like just talked ad lib and I I am not ashamed to say that I script because like I cannot talk fast or like straight without like some type of script and like I can't think and talk at the same time if it that, that's kind of <laughs> weird but like I can talk to you and like everybody else if I'm talking to an actual person like that I get right feedback like I can talk just fine but so I did that video and like every time like donkey would talk about random things i would get like an influx of views and then just like comments from his edgelord fan (laughs) (laughs) just being like like when he talked about the journalists or something like that he was like this this review is nitpicky and bias i win bye bye and like i got like 50 comments with that like after he said that i was like what is this and then like suddenly like i looked i was like oh like Every time Dunky like makes a video, for some reason my video gets like recommended. I'm like, geez. So, like, I understand that. That that's kind of always like the the challenge too. Is like you get random like YouTube recommends like random videos at certain times and stuff. Like um, one of my most popular videos right now that still gets a lot of views is my Sony Trinitron video, and I clickbaited that one which in hindsight I probably like if I could do it over again like I I probably wouldn't do it but I said like our trinitron's necessary and like I I alluded to I was like are the bulky TVs like actually necessary for now like given all the like the new stuff you got the analog stuff that you can like play on HD TVs like you got the retro tanks like you got all these new things that can play on modern TVs like is a Trinitron necessary outside of an aesthetic and using light guns and for the most part like you know the subscribers when you're playing towards your subscriber base like your subscribers see it first so they're like yeah I like it well for some reason this video got shared on like Atari age or something like that like somewhere where like Atari or like uh, retro enthusiasts saw this somewhere where the trinitron is king and has worshipers (laughs) yeah and so like i do i do a very high level video like i do very high level like i don't go into the nitty-gritty of like why like if you're if you're holding a magnifying glass up to a, a pvm or a thing and stuff like that this is why you should care like i leave that stuff to like um my life in gaming and um digital foundry or whatever like if you guys want to like get into nitty gritty, but like mine, like I talk as like a casual person to a casual audience. 
So like that's that's where my angle was. It's like you have like these people who are getting into retro video games because they saw like the NES Classic or the Super Nintendo Classic or all these little tiny things and they're like, "Hey, I remember Mario. I want to play it and stuff because I remember back when I was working at, you know, the game store is if somebody bought like a Super Nintendo or whatever, we'd have to ask them like, "Hey, like FYI, like your TV needs to accept like a um a 480p or a 240p signal because a lot of new TVs don't and because we get calls and stuff like that oh you sold me a broken system we like well are you watching it on a big flat screen TV and they're like yeah we got just this brand new uh, Samsung and I was like well you can't accept that resolution so that was my angle but like I got so many like hate comments because I was like you know some people were like it's so full of inaccuracies I was like what inaccuracies he's like well first of all like there's several different types of Trinitrons that aren't ideal and I was like not what I'm talking about <laughs> You, you know, so you bring up a good point. I, I say this a lot, and, and I know I, I'm going to consider myself an expert on this because I, I literally deal with this as my occupation. I do it every day. But gaming Twitter is like the top 20%, and the it's not anywhere near the average consumer. Even though some of the stupid things I read and, and see on there, would you would like to think that that was the below average intelligence gamer. They're not the the average gamer is on such another level of not understanding how any of this stuff works, and and I do like your videos for that. And I was gonna say that actually, I had that written down. I want to make sure I, I commented on that. Was I feel like you're kind of like me, where you want to talk to an audience, like it's a casual conversation with the with the everyman, with the average person, but you also don't dumb it down to a point where it's like like you're not making goofy faces and have to have like clown music in the background. You know, like you talk to people like they're real people and you're just explaining something while in a simple way, it's still an intelligent way of discussion. And so I've, I've always liked that. So I want I wanted to say that I respect that. But, you know, and so along with that, the average gamer knows so little compared to what the people like even on gaming Twitter would know, you know, and, and that's what and I know I deal with it every day because I literally sell things to the average customer every day. But it's people who think like the average gamer is the person on Twitter who says this and that, like that's not them. They're in a, they're in an upper echelon of understanding of how things work compared to, you know, the, the actual average person. So like when you have people talking about like, Oh, you know, Sony shutting the store down. So we're, we're all boycotting Sony. We hate it. The average customer does not care at all. <laughs> they probably don't even know it was supposed to get shut down. And then they don't know that it's going to not get shut down now. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like to them, it didn't even occur. And, and so I, I'm, I'm with you on that where, you know, you just try to explain it to people in a way. And now to your story, you, you have a PVM, don't you? Don't you have like a, a component out like a Sony PVM? Yeah. So that was the one thing is like for the longest time I didn't, um, cause that, that was one of the things is like, so my, my personal aesthetic is I don't like, I want to view things as they came out of the factory. So, like, if you played Nintendo Entertainment System, like, you didn't... I didn't RGB mod my stuff. Like, I don't drill holes or anything like that into it and stuff. Like, so, for a long time, I was like, well, PVM... And this is kind of, like, you know, I'm, I'm planning on making a video on it in the future. But, like, one of the things that, like, I was ignorant about was... Or at least, like, when I first, like, reviewed the PVMs is, like, you needed 
to make your own special SCART cables and stuff like that at the time when PVMs were starting to like get like recognition as like why you should get them. And so like, I was like, I am not skilled in making my own stuff. Like I don't have like the space to, cause like PVMs at the time, like the ones that you were finding were very bulky and everything like that. I didn't really know too much about it. So I just like, I was like, you know what? I'm not, I'm not going to touch it. Like the, the CRT is good enough for me. So as I did that video, like a lot of people were like, yeah, you got to get a PVM. I was like, all right, I'll, I'll look into it. And so like I researched it and I like, I, I found one on eBay that was a local pickup and it was like only $145. Cause like, that's the thing too. It's like along with like everything else, like PVMs have gotten like really expensive. Cause like, they're hard to find now um you know not not everybody has these in their in their basement when they were growing up or anything like that so you had to like find it but you also had to like research the heck out of it so i found an old it's a 1988 um trinitron super fine pitch i forgot what the name it like the actual model number is um but it's an older one it smells when it runs like I have to like give it like a good um, <laughs> cleaning or something like that. Like it doesn't it doesn't like smell bad. It's like it clearly was in like some guy's basement or something like oh, that with like sure. dryer sheets or something like that. Because like that's what it smells like. It smells like a light detergent. Um, so it's, so like, it's like oddly like, pleasant. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like a weird thing. But yeah, it's a PVM 1342Q. And honestly, like I like it. But at the same time, I it's not a night and day difference for me. Like and I think that's that's one of the things like with the Trinitrons and stuff, like when I'm looking at stuff, I don't I don't pixel peep. I don't, you know, squeeze blood out of a stone and stuff. I don't own those um very expensive component cables for the GameCube. You know, I'm like I'm fine playing um Super Mario on the NES Classic on HDMI through an HD television and stuff, you know, like I don't really, you know, care about the extra millisecond of lag. So, you know, I think that's what like makes people upset too. It's like I'm not that gaming elite, you know. Yeah, and there's there's a lot of um there's a lot of gatekeeping and like arrogance in game collecting. Uh, it, it, and I actually find it quite off-putting and I always told myself, and that's a big thing I talk about with my staff too, is like, we're not here. We're no better than anybody comes in this door. You know, if we know more because we work in here and we do that stuff, that's fine. I said, but we're not any better. In fact, I did a video like a year or so ago. It was like the only way it was like my most clickbaity title ever. I said the, you know, this is the only way to collect. And the, it was the whole premise of the video was the only right way to collect is your way. You know, there's no wrong way to collect video games. It's whatever you want. I mean, there's, I mean, I may look at it and say it's not my way, but it's not wrong if, if it's what you want to do. And so there's a lot of elitists in game collecting and it's, it's kind of frustrating. And like the PVM thing, what's funny about that. So now you, you know more about this than I do. I'll be honest. I've only scratched the surface, but ultimately PVMs were, if I'm, if I remember correctly, and please correct me if I'm wrong, those were essentially like monitors that were used in television production. Is that right? Yeah, for the most part, like they're professional video monitors. So, yeah, like they're reference style monitors. So basically, um, 
you know, it, it outputs RGB. So like TVs, like they come out of the factory, like, and they're pre-tuned, right? So like they're tuned to like what LG or what Sony or whatever wants your color experience to go. But like, you can kind of calibrate your TV and stuff, but an RGB one, like it, it doesn't have any of that stuff to it. And then like, also you can kind of like mine, you actually have to open up and like tweak some things, but like newer ones you can do on the, on the, on a on-screen menu, but you can change like, okay, I want a little bit more blue and you can like turn up the blue, turn up the green, turn up the red and stuff. And like, you can um like if you accidentally hold a magnet up to it you know like what happens with old right. crts and stuff like that <laughs> some of them have like a feature called a degausser which can get rid of that so that's wild there's a there's a lot to it like it's it's kind of like getting a record player i would say like or a nice like um amplifier or something like that you know for music like if i had to compare it to like a music thing because it's like strictly for enthusiasts and stuff. Like I like it now because it's a little 13 inch TV. It sits on my desk and um, it's nice, but it's got its limits though. So like it only has one RGB output um, input. It has one video input or two video inputs like regular composite. And then it has an S video, but the RGB one doesn't have any audio in input so you have to get your own um external speakers if you want to actually like listen oh to, like, what sure you're playing. yeah some of them do have that like it's it's so complicated like that's that's why i was like um i'm like pvms i'm like are they really worth the hassle and i'm like uh like there's a lot of research that goes into it you can't just like go and like be like hey buy a trinitron with component out and you're set because like most of the time like those newer trinitrons those are just like good enough but like this is like i don't know i like it i like it a lot but at the same time i'm like unless you have like rgb modded stuff or like special cables and everything like that you're not really going to see too much of a difference like i was like I plugged in like the regular Nintendo to the composite and like you can kind of tell like the blues are definitely a little bit more purple and everything like that. Like, so it's not like a night and day difference. It's not going to make your games look better, but like I can, I can see like why there's a desire for that. Yeah. And I, I've never been much of a, I'm, I'm like you, man. I, I will play like, I've got all of analog systems and I'll happily play that on HDMI and I'm fine with that. And I know that's like blasphemy to, to a lot of game collectors and, and stuff, but like, it looks fine to me. And, and I, I follow some people on Twitter. One of them's kind of neat. It's the, the accounts basically like it's, it's pro CRT and they basically have these comparisons they'll do. And they say, look at this on an HD TV, like a flat screen, and then look at it on a CRT with scan lines and look at how, you know, this makes the character shaped differently. And it helps with the illusion that he's like, you know, a samurai with a sword, as opposed to when you see it pixel perfect, it just looks like brown and tan squares, you know? And I'm like, okay, like, I don't disagree with that, but I also, like, I can suspend my disbelief that it's pixels, you know what I mean? Like, I know it's a sword because when I hit the button, he swings it forward and it chops things, you know? <laughs> so, like, but I know everyone has their own level of, 
dedication to that. So I don't, you know, it, it, there's again, nobody's wrong. It's just what you prefer. And I'm kind of with you where, you know, and then I had over the summer, I found someone on locally here had a Trinitron. And so I went and I picked it up. I got it for free and I picked it up and I got it home and I used my analog systems and I bought the analog DAC, which is basically the down stepper to put it out through component. And I put, so I had my analog uh, it was my super NT and I, I kicked it down with the DAC and <laughs> I looked at it and I was like, I think this looks terrible. <laughs> so like I hauled this heavy ass TV down my basement, all of this other stuff. And I'm like, this is the worst idea ever. And I ended up just giving the TV to another friend of mine who, uh, who streams because <laughs> he loves it. And he's like, Oh, this is the best CRT I've ever had. And I'm like, cool, man. <laughs> <laughs> to me, it just looked like shit. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, like, that that's kind of the thing, you know, like, I have the HD retrovision cables for the, um, the Sega Genesis, and then I also got, like, the adapter for the Sega Saturn, and that's, like, a night and day difference on your CRT, because it, like, basically what it does is it converts the RGB that comes out of those systems to component, and so, like it's a much cleaner signal and everything and that you know like those are good enough to me like that that's kind of the thing is like i think what happens is is that a lot of these like retro gamers and stuff like they started collecting back in 2007 or whatever 2003 like some of the older ones like pat country has been collecting since you know the late 90s and stuff you know so like these guys have been like collecting since for whatever but like back then you know you get like a pvm and that was the best that you could do because nobody else like made these cables and stuff you didn't right. have a market for it so now like these hd retrovision cables are coming out and they're like hey you can play it on your 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 um crt or you can play it on a tv that has that input and you get these people going no the only best way to do it is to do it this way and i was like well maybe you should just like reevaluate that. And I think there's a lot of dogma that comes along with retro gaming and stuff. It's there's not, there's a big, um, like some people are just like, they're stuck in their ways and that's, that's yeah. like all I can do about it. Well, in Pat, you know, when you talk about, you know, Pat Conchie that way, like Pat, the NES punk, when you talk about him that way, like he's also that way too, where he gets upset when he sees like that used video games are fifty to a hundred bucks. He's like, I used to go to a flea market and I could get all these Nintendo games for a buck a piece. Like, well, yeah, man, that was great in the early to mid two thousands, man. Like, that's how you used to be able to find Nintendo games. I when I first started collecting my NES collection when I was going for a complete US set, there was I had just moved to Green Bay and there was a store here that did all their Nintendo games three for ten bucks. So I went down there every paycheck and I'd give myself a hundred bucks out of every paycheck. So like every month I was getting 60 NES games from them. <laughs> you know, I mean, like, I mean, I would say that that was the maximum. I don't think every week I walked away with that many. And I would just go in there and grab what I wanted, but that's not like that anymore. I mean, there's rarely any games that are under $5 at any store with the cost of shipping being at least $5 typically, <laughs> you know? So I don't know. It's just, you're right though. There's like this weird old attitude of, it was so nice when other people weren't in the hobby sort of thing. And I don't know, I guess it's a form of gatekeeping. It's always irritated me um, to yeah. feel like it's justified for some reason. 
Yeah, I think that's that's kind of the reason why like people are so hostile and stuff to new people and stuff because, you know, I, I can understand like people getting like really upset with the grading aspect of it and like trying to like create like this market that really isn't there. Like I, I get that, like being hostile towards that, but like it's kinda it it's kind of weird like when people like come in and they're like oh well you know i collected these games and stuff like that well like way before like people got into them and stuff and like you know all these people are like starting to drive up the price i was like i i think like ultimately like if you see a game that's on metal jesus's like hidden gem episode like if if you're if you're watching that and you get upset at him for raising the price of that that game because like all these people are going i'm like if it wasn't on your radar it probably isn't worth playing to you <laughs> right that's you a know? very good like, point yep you don't have this to me a lot at the store i'll see a game like i'm going through and i'm like oh here's a stack of ps1 games and I, I i'm a ps1 aficionado i love that system i love collecting for it and i'm going through and i'll see a game and i'm like this looks really stupid and then i check the price on it and it's like 25 to 30 dollars and all of a sudden i go hmm Hmm. Should I have this? Like what? Just just because it was worth money, and so then I have to be like, okay, hold on. Like what? You know, because you know, as collectors, like you said, I didn't even know that game existed until I saw that maybe it was worth money, or it was maybe popular, or somebody I respect said it was popular, and then all of a sudden now it's popular to me. And I guess that's the most accurate description when people call them influencers because. It is, it is so true, and, and I, t- I totally agree with you. It is absolutely not Metal Jesus' fault that if he does a video of Hidden Gems that those games go up in price. <laughs> you know, like, I, I respect his hustle, and I, I uh, you know, I, I, I think introducing those games to a bigger audience is awesome, but of course doing that to a bigger audience is going to make the game more sought after and in a limited supply market where they're not being made anymore. Of course it's going to cause the price to go up. I mean, it's, you know... But is it anybody's yeah. fault? I mean, you know, like I always thought that was funny. Like, why why would there have to be blame there? You know, and the only people complaining are either people who didn't buy it, who want to get it now but don't want to pay that price, or people that, you know, because nobody who has that game is complaining. Because <laughs> even if you're never going to sell it, you love having a game that's worth money. I mean, who doesn't? You know. Well, yeah, and like I think that that's one of the things that like kind of like was weird about it is like oh you know like because um. You know, I belong to the subreddit um, R Game Collecting, and that happens every so often where some people are like they they would say like um, they'd go to like they would always post their finds and stuff. You know, like sometimes if you're going to Goodwill or something like that, you get like a really great like find, like you want to post it and stuff. And most of the time, you always like post what you find. So obviously, it gets in people's heads that like you know, all of their goodwills and stuff like that are just, like, packed to the gills. And it's like, well, no, like, I think, you know, towards the end where I just start, stopped, started, like, not going anymore, like, I was getting maybe, like, a good find once every three to four months or something like that. And, you know, some people would be like, oh, you know, like, I would have liked Super Mario RPG in the box for $25, which, like, that's how i got mine like i got mine from a friend like my friend was just selling his games and sure. so i got <laughs> super mario rpg for 25 dollars in the box super mario kart for the super nintendo for 15 dollars chrono trigger for 80 or something like that complete and so it's like i bought these games like a long time ago and 
and you know, yeah, sometimes they do sit on your shelf and stuff, but like some people they get upset about that. They're like, "Oh, like you know, I could have paid $2 for this game, you know, and I would actually play it and stuff." I'm like, "Well, if all you want to do is play the game, then there are plenty of other options. You can emulate it and everything too." Like, and I don't have a problem with that. Like some some other YouTubers and stuff like that, they try to like get game collectors on this like elitism thing of like if you don't play the physical copy you're not actually playing it <laughs> and i don't think that that's actually true at no, least for me I, I don't think so either and and i think that it's for me it's especially when i'm doing streaming or trying to do like my 24-hour live stream like it's just about convenience at that point like it's easier for me to use my everdrive in an analog system than it is to have all my games ready to go in a front loader you know, hooked up through composite. So, I mean, it's, you know, but no, you're, you're, you're absolutely right that there's like a, I don't know, like, like there's almost, it's a jealousy, I guess, where people see like a really good deal. And like, I get that too. Like I see, I see somebody, you know, post on game collecting. Cause I, it was funny. I actually saw your post on there about your games that you ended up not selling. Um, and, and, uh, so I, you know, like I, I see really cool, rare stuff in there. And people are like, I just got this all you know, for five bucks from a neighbor. And it's like, man, it's awesome collection. I'm like, damn, I want that, you know, but I mean, it's more of a jealousy thing. I think that, that drives that. And, um, and, and like everybody's gotten a deal. If you look for deals, you've, everyone's gotten a deal on something sometime, you know, it's sometimes few and far between though. <laughs> like I, I, my goodwill stopped selling its video games years ago. And I remember I used to go there when I first opened the store, I went there almost every morning before work. And I would just look through and I, I had found the secret stash, like the employee stash where they would hide behind the music CDs. They'd hide all the rare games. And so <laughs> I would clean that out like once every other week. <laughs> and, um, uh, you always had to lead something though. Otherwise they would stop hiding it there. Um, but, uh, <laughs> you know, so like, but after that, I mean, I haven't even been to a thrift store looking for games in years. I mean, it's just, you know, I, so it's whatever. And, and rummage sales, the same sort of way. Like, like, and, and it's all about perspective. Like I went to a rummage sale a few weeks ago and I got a wired 360 guitar. Um, the guitar hero one from guitar hero two, I got it for a dollar and the thing's like 70 or 80 bucks, you know, but no one's looking at that going, man, that's the best find ever because it's a guitar. It's not, if it was a copy of little Samson or something, it's you know, like, then it'd be earth shattering, you know? Yeah. And that that's, that's the whole perspective too, is like, you know, and and I think that that is like a thing with game collecting, though, too, is like a lot of people on that subreddit and stuff like there's kind of like a lot of people will tell them they're like, yeah, we don't care how much you paid or whatever. But there is still that kind of like the posts that say, hey, I found this at a garage sale like this Earthbound for five dollars or whatever, like we'll get a thousand points. But something that said, hey, I spent. 250 for this copy earthbound will only get like 15 right so it's like <laughs> you know there's a story behind it and stuff and i think like um every so often like um i think some of my posts on our game collecting and stuff like that I, i've gotten a lot of traction on some because like i i don't like I, I only post very so often but like i posted that i bought a nintendo cereal box and that was like something that's been on my list forever. And 
like they're always expensive because it's an empty start it's an empty cereal box and like <laughs> i finally like i spent two hundred dollars on this because i was like this is like the last time that you're gonna find a hologram cereal box in this good of condition for this price for a very long time so it, well it's, it's it's one of your grails you know like you gotta you gotta go for it and you know as much as like you said you may not see one for years and you know to be fair next month someone might put one up at half price and you're like damn it i could have waited for this one but that's the game you know and that's kind of the i i guess the fun of it <laughs> yeah <laughs> not and, super fun but yeah that's that's ultimately like thing is like the fear of missing out and everything and like I, i've i've been fortunate enough like in these past two years and stuff i don't have any more debt um you know like we bought a house and stuff so uh like so i've been very fortunate to have like a little bit more um disposable income and stuff to like get these things that i i've you know been looking for and everything and so like that was one of the reasons why i, I wanted to buy those like that's why i was considering selling those games because i was like all right i'm at a point now where i'm not really collecting anything anymore like i'm not like constantly adding things to my collection because there was like a time where like the game prices were just right like you had enough money and stuff so like you were just like there there'd be like weeks and stuff like that where you come home with like 15 to 20 games for mm -hmm. less than a hundred dollars um and now it's like yeah you have to like the stuff that i want you know the stuff that you know like is is stupid valuable like everything's over a hundred dollars now so you have to like be very careful about like what you want to buy so that's kind of like put it in perspective and stuff i'm like well do i really need this stuff and like i was about to sell all those games like you mentioned and stuff i it was selling like 12 different games like four saturn games four playstation one games and four um playstation three games and like combined together they would have been like fourteen hundred dollars <laughs> like total you know because like i paid like pennies to the dollar like the yeah. parasite Eve one and two i paid ten dollars for like each um, same thing with tactics ogre and brigadine like i spent ten dollars on those like each one of those games is worth at least a hundred dollars so it's i was like looking at it i was like well you know i've never played these games before you know and like maybe i should just sell them and like buy that little samson and like as soon as i put that one up on ebay i put up africa on ebay and africa like sold almost instantaneously for 130 dollars <laughs> and i'm like wow like i found that one at a thrift store for six dollars i'm like okay like this is it like you know i'm selling these games and then like i put up panzer dragoon's wii uh, for the saturn and that one's actually much rarer than any of the other games that i've had and stuff so like it was the only copy on ebay at oh, the damn. time and like all the rest of them were japanese and so i was like well, I'll put it up for 170, maybe like best offer 150 and stuff. And like plenty of people offered me 150. I was like, oh, do I really want to sell them though? Because like I have a mode, so like I can play them anytime that I want. But it's nice to have them on my shelf and like the aesthetic of it and everything. And you know, I talked it over with my wife. I was like really just kind of just bummed out. I was like, man, I sold this Africa. Like it, it was one of my first like youtube videos that i did on and stuff and like 
I'm like, oh, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have sold it. And she's like, well, can you just like get it back? Like, you know, <laughs> I was like, well, I don't know and stuff. And then finally I looked into it and I was like, well, I haven't shipped it yet. And eBay will just like, let me refund him without getting a f- negative feedback, um, ding. So that's what I did. Like I refunded it and then like I canceled all of the other, um, orders and everything like that. And then like I went about my way. I was like, okay, you know what? From now on, I'm going to save up on for little Samson instead and like buy that. But that's the other thing too, is like little Samson, it's $1,300. That's a lot of money. Yeah. (laughs) So like when I opened my store, we just celebrated our 10 year anniversary last uh, friday thank you thank you so last friday to the day was was the day i opened game trade for the first time when i opened i had a copy of little samson would you like to guess 10 years ago what i sold little samson for (laughs) i want to say like at least like a hundred dollars or something like that you are and exactly on the money dude i sold it for a hundred dollars and what's funny back then so my mentality back then and obviously it was wrong and it was actually up it was reverse and i learned this along the way my mentality was I can't put it at the same price as eBay because if it's the same price as eBay, people just buy it on eBay. Well, obviously that's not true. If you have it the same price as eBay, people would rather buy it from you <laughs> because they yeah, can see they it. It's tangible. Legit. Yeah. They so know I know the condition. Yeah. I think at the time it was selling for 120 bucks. So I put up for a hundred thinking no one's ever going to buy this and it sold. I don't think it sold right away. I think it was maybe a week or two after I opened and the guy who bought it, was super ecstatic and he was like oh I've, ne- I've always wanted to find this in a store it's so cool and i was like what a great feeling man you know and and uh and i thought and the lesson i also learned that day was that people will buy really expensive things in person i i don't know where this mentality came from it's because i was an i've been an ebay guy since like the late 90s um and so like i was selling stuff on ebay probably like 99 i think i joined 99 or 2000 And so like my mentality was always, well, you know, people aren't going to buy stuff like this locally. You know, you got to put expensive stuff online. So one of the first items I had in my store was a complete in box Rob the Robot NES set. And Mm. I had it sitting in the back room. Like I didn't have a door. This is at my old location right next door to where I am now. And I didn't have a back. I had like a back closet. There was no door, but I had like a curtain over it. And all you could see of the box was maybe a four inch by four inch corner of this box. And I'm ringing somebody up and he looks at me and looks over and goes, is that a Nintendo in the box with Rob the robot? And I said, yeah. And he goes, how much is it? And I went, oh, and at the time, this is another killer. It was 300 bucks. You know, (laughs) at the time I'm like, well, actually, no, was it 150? It might've been 150. And I said, something like, uh, they go for about like 400 now. Yeah. So it was probably 150. And, and so I said, it's uh 150 and he just goes, I'll take it right now. And and that was like, finally when that switch flipped in my head where I said, you know, people will buy this expensive stuff at the, at the retail price. If you have it in the store. And I don't know, like, I know it sounds really obvious now, but 10 years ago, you know, this is, this was pretty much before the big boom uh, of game. Like, like I feel like I opened just in time. Like I opened like two years before it got really crazy with uh, collecting over the last, you know, seven, eight years. But, um, but yeah, man, it's, you know, little Samson, how much it's gone up and, and it's such a fun game, you know, and it's, man, I, I, f- I feel bad for anybody who wants it and can't get it because it's legit a good game too. It's not just expensive and rare. It's also really fun. <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of the thing too. Is like, you know, like when we are talking about like on people's radar and stuff, like I, I started getting into collecting 
when I got... Have you ever heard of the NES... Um, uh, it's called the... It was the first clone system. It's called the, like the NES Max. The Not the NES Max. The NES... Nest Vantage or something like that. I forgot what it was like actually called. Like it, it's called the the Nest Nest Max. Oh. Interesting. No, I've, I actually have, I've never heard of that. First clone system. It was called. Oh man, it's gonna drive me nuts because like <laughs> when I bought it and stuff like that, I was like, because this is before Hyperkin and everything like that, and like it was it was called. Um, uh, I forgot what it was called. That's that's gonna drive me nuts again because like, wait, hold you know what? Hold on. Oh, he's got it. <laughs> he's going for it. Yeah. All right, I got it. Cause like, yeah, I was like, man, I, I was driving nuts. Cause like, I remember what it was called, but then, but it's called a Generation Next. All right. N E X. And basically, what this was is it's the first ever like clone system. Like, that was, like, this is, like, right after Nintendo's patent for the NES, like, ran out. And so, it's a clone system that plays Famicom games. It plays NES games. It it has, like, the old compatibility that, like, the early clone systems had. So, it won't play Castlevania 3 or any of the complex games and stuff. But it had wireless controllers and everything like that. And, like... And it looks just like a, a Nintendo Entertainment System, too. It's like it's a really small, like, thin thing. And I was like, man, this is great. Well, it came with an instruction manual, and it had, like, a thing. is like, tips to collect games. And, like, on the back of the thing is, like, an addendum. It had all of the game prices at that time. And it was <laughs> nice. like, and the rarity thing, too. It was like, here's how rare the games are. Here's how much they were. And at the time, like it says, like tips for starting out collecting. And it's like, collect the games that you actually know that you want to play. You know, like the good games and stuff. So like if you collect the the poker babes or whatever, that bubble <laughs> poker or whatever game it is and Peek-a-boo stuff like that. poker and bubble bath babes are two separate games, Nick. You're getting them confused. Yeah. You're getting your porn games well, mixed you, up. <laughs> well, you know, like... The, those were like the rare games like those were yep. the hot hot rare games and stuff like that before like anybody even considered like getting games to actually play and so they're like yeah don't collect the old like those games because you're not going to have a lot of fun if you're collecting these aren't actually fun to play and I was like oh that's a good you know thing and stuff and like little Samson on the back was like $35 <laughs> back because like this was in like 2000 three or something like that and so yeah that's when i started out collecting and stuff so like i went on a quest you know with my friend i was like we're gonna collect the top 20 nes games like th- that's how we're gonna start so you know you got all of the Mega Man's, legend of zelda adventure link you know super mario one two and three um duck hunt and just like those random games and th- that was my collection it was like the f- like that was the big quest was to c- get all six Mega Mans. And the most expensive one at the time was the first Mega Man and I think I paid $20 on eBay. <laughs> and I was like, man, this is expensive. Like, like this man, is what crazy. is this crap? <laughs> yeah. 20 bucks for one game? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's like then it's like you know, Mega Man, you know, now those are worth money, but it's like yeah, little Samson at the time like 
back when you're going to these game crazy things like these video stores like GameStop still sold Nintendo games when I started collecting so that was the one thing it's like you know little Samson wasn't really on my radar because I was like oh it's it's $35 like that's expensive man like I'll just buy it later <laughs> and then like it started going up I was like oh it's a hundred dollars I can't really like swing a hundred dollars I'll, I'll just buy it later and it's like you know got up to like 350 or something like that and like then it eventually started getting far far out of reach oh no so i was like ah i missed the boat but at the same time though it's like it's still a lot of money and i'm i want like it's kind of a thing it's like do i want to get this game because the thing that happened was is i finally added like five or six years ago i added Bubble Bobble Part 2 and DuckTales 2 to my collection. Excellent, excellent. And those were two games that when I started collecting, those were the ones that I was, like, on the lookout for. I was like, I want those two games. Like, I always, like, those are the two games that I want and everything. And so I got my uh, tax um, return and stuff, and, like, I I bought those two games. And, like, I think they were, like, $100 at the time each. <laughs> so I was like... Or no, it was a hundred dollars for Ducktales two, and then two hundred for Bubble Bobble Part two, and I was like, all right, that's it. And so like when I got them though, like that excitement that uh, you know the hunt was finally over. I'm like, well, what do I do now? Like, you know, that kind of like started to like the decline of my collection and stuff. So like that's I think that's one of my hesitancies of like getting Little Samson, is like that will be like the final capstone of my collection and stuff and i think like i'll I'll probably stop collecting full stop if i ever get that game you know it's it's funny because i i've i've been saying this for years and i it's obviously not true in your case but i would say what i've been saying for years is that you know collectors like us don't typically stop collecting we just find something else to collect so like if you like you know and and i say this with a lot of my customers in mind because over the last few years what you've really seen an increase in is non-retail merchandise in the video game space. So like neon signs, promotional materials, display kiosks, stuff like that has really skyrocketed. And I always said, well, I think it, I think what people are going to do once they can't, once they get in all the games, where what are you going to collect next? You don't just stop, you shift to something else. And so do you think you would shift to something else or would, would you really wrap it up and just be like, okay, my collection's complete and like, hang your hat on the door, you know, and like well, <laughs> take that, your holster is, off and park your seat, you know, and you're done. <laughs> yeah. That is, that is a thing. Like, so I've kind of like, that's the thing. It's like, I've never been truly done with collecting and stuff. You know, you're right. Um, like my things have shifted a little bit. Like I've definitely like thanked getting a mode and like a GC loader because like playing all of those Saturn games have like really like shine a light on be like, wait a minute, I don't really like playing Saturn games. Like, I'm not going to, like, focus too much on collecting those. Yeah. That controller is just ass. Can we just say that, like, without... With, I mean, know someone on here is going to hate this, but, like, that the Saturn <laughs> controller is straight ass. Like, it is one of the worst controllers I've ever used in it, my whole life. <laughs> well, and that's, that's kind of the thing, too, is, like, a lot of people, like, they just, they log those games. I'm like, those are early 3D games, and, like, the one games that are really standing out like the ones that are um platformers and stuff like those are good but yeah like nights into dreams is like an okay game like you'd i guess you would have to have played it 
when it first came out to have some sort of attachment to it. Yeah. Like I can see like how good it is. And that's, that's kind of the thing. It's like, I didn't have a Saturn growing up. Like I remember when the Saturn came out and I remember like going to Sears and it was on clearance. And like, I was like, Oh, I wish I had a job because <laughs> then <laughs> I would buy it, you know, cause I didn't have a job at the time, but now I've been, I've been switching a little bit. So what I've been doing is I've been focusing on getting like ads are one thing that I've been getting like little, little trinkets and stuff, but I found um, like, yeah, merchandise and stuff. So I got a full set. I'm missing the comforter, but I have the, the Mario and Zelda bed sheets <laughs> with the pillowcases and stuff. Like Excellent. I found those, I found those for like really cheap. Cause now, like if you look it up on eBay and stuff, those are, those are expensive now. Like, even just like the pillowcase is like a hundred dollars. So like I found a full set for like yeah, twenty to thirty dollars or something like that. Just like getting random stuff like that. So like I have the Zelda board game. Um you know, I've been looking into PC games as well, which is is oh getting expensive. Those are really <laughs> expensive too. So like I've got almost every single PC game that I could want. There's one that I'm looking for, it's called Jones in the Fast Lane. It's buy a sierra and every time that one goes up on ebay like it goes for over 200 dollars. i'm like i can't spend that much money because i know like basically what i've been doing like, i have no no shame on this i buy those pc games because the boxes look cool yeah dude dude i'm totally with you on that especially like the sierra point and click stuff or like i'm a sucker one pc game that eludes me for my collection is maniac mansion and oh, yeah, it's one that my all- sounds expensive. Yeah, it's it's one of my all-time favorite games, and I don't even care what version I get, really. I don't care if it's on CD. I don't care if it's floppy. And apparently neither does anybody else because they're all expensive. But I had a chance to get it years ago, and I actually I owned it in high school. And I remember installing it on one of the PCs in high, in my high school, and I don't know everyone know what happened to it. You know, like I, that, maybe I'll have to go back to my parents' house sometime soon and, like, just one final, you yeah, know, go rummage. Through, go through the <laughs> attic in the basement, yeah. <laughs> That's what happened with me. Like I, I had Jones in the fast lane. I had Laser Shoot Larry Six. Um, you know, so like I made sure to go buy that game. I got the certain like PC games. I made sure to get the um, the Oregon Trail one with the crazy like frontier guy on the front. <laughs> that was hard to track down. I was like, I'll pay a hundred dollars for that one because like that one's cool. But yeah, like most of the time, like I found like. If if you find in Europe too, like the Europe versions are significantly cheaper. Like Grim Fandango, like for a while was like a very expensive game um, in the U.S. But I found it in Europe. It was like from Germany or something like that. So it was still in English, but it had like Dutch or something like that in the in the second line. It's like a bilingual thing, but it still says Grim Fandango on the side, on the spine and stuff. Like no one would ever know that that it like, and the box is a little bit shorter, but that's it. And like, I found a copy of full throttle sealed <laughs> nice. because it's a Mac version, but I think <laughs> all, all Lucas films, they contain the windows and the Mac version on it. Cause I know Diablo like all the blizzard ones they work up on both mac and yeah blizzard not... did do that i wonder about that yeah that i'm not so, sure of 
Yeah, so, like, I got, like, full throttle because, like, you know, these Tim Schafer games, like, are expensive, too. And so, like, the last thing that I added to the collection was SimCity 2000 because that was one on my list. And um, I got I got a copy of Windows 98. <laughs> Windows 98. Okay. I was nice. like, <laughs> but, yeah, like, I mean, PC games. And then the the other thing that I've been collecting like crazy are laser discs. I have seen some of your pictures about those. I, I could never get into it, but I really respect that hustle, man. <laughs> well, like, cause that was the one thing. It's like, I came across a laser disc at a thrift store and at the time I didn't really want, I didn't think anything of it. I was like, ah, whatever. Um, and so I, I told my friend, cause like my friend was like looking for one at the time. And I was like, Hey man, like I found a laser disc player for like $15. It comes with the remote. It looks to be in good shape. So he, he bought his. And then finally I was like, man you know what i would like a laser disc system so like i was like looking on craigslist because you know if you look on craigslist sometimes you can get a good deal so i found like a whole panasonic um uh a panasonic stereo system you know like the big tall 90s like floor speakers oh yeah yeah fire and everything like that within the glass case that says pioneer on it and like with a cassette deck and stuff and the and the um, that mine's a laser karaoke, so it's a karaoke machine. Um, so I found that it's all for a hundred bucks, and I was like, "All right, pack it up." Like, <laughs> I'm like, I don't know where I'm gonna put this. Like, there's all this stuff. I'm like, I shouldn't be buying this, but whatever. So I got it for a hundred dollars, and then slowly, bit by bit, as we moved into this new place, because I was like, "All right, now I'm gonna go." when I moved into this room, I was like, I'm going to go for a nineties aesthetic. Like, and this will be great because I'm going to, you know, I thought like, would it be cool? You know, like those, um, those contests that you can like enter to win, like those ultimate, like gaming setups. Oh yeah. Yeah. Magazines. I'm like, wouldn't it be cool to just like track down all the parts and rebuild (laughs) that? Wouldn't that be cool? And then I was like, wait a minute, I'm stupid. Like I shouldn't be doing any of this stuff. It's very expensive. Like probably stuff of this stuff doesn't even work. And sure enough, like the amplifier didn't work and like the cassette deck didn't work and the CD player didn't work, but the laser disc did. So I eventually just kind of just like sold off the floor speakers and then and the cabinet and stuff. And then I threw or donated the rest, but I kept the laser disc. And so like, that's what I've been doing. I was, you know, catching up the laser discs. And one of the first ones I added was the wizard on laser disc. Appropriately so. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, cause I, that was the one thing. It's like every time that I'm doing these videos, I go all Scott the Waz, and like I have to have like everything available for it, which is a really bad business uh, proposition. <laughs> if if you're if you're a smaller YouTuber and you're listening to this, don't do what I did because you will never ever make your money back. <laughs> like the the only thing that I uh, found out was the the only thing that actually paid off was the Atari VCS video because everybody told me that that was a scam. Yep. And that paid off big time. So you know, like it paid. What's funny about that is so so I never uh I never thought it was a scam, but I knew that that thing was going to be basically what it was. You know, and like it was hard to convince people because the Atari name holds a lot of emotion for a lot of people. And and so I didn't want to disappoint people, but it's like, man, like this just anytime you got something that's funded this way, you know, essentially by a company that's not even the original company. Like it's just a company owns the naming rights, you know, all that sort of stuff. But you know that you covered all that jazz, but, um, 
uh but yeah there's like people have so much love for that and, like you don't want to take it away from them like i don't i don't want to steal someone's joy <laughs> but well and and that was the kind of thing too is like i had i had perfect expectations like going into this i was like well i'm looking at it i'm like i'm just gonna buy it because if it i'm not expecting it to be like a ps4 competitor or whatever at the very least it'll be a really nice looking pc like that's all i'm looking forward to it and sure enough that's like what happened to it like it came out it's not ready at launch um you know like they're still working some uh they still can't you still can't turn it on with the um bluetooth controller i don't think so you still have to like wirely <laughs> turn it on like oh, it's man. not done like it's not done it's it's a total like it, like cuz i'm in their discord and stuff and like they're they're coming out with these these videos and like video games and stuff like that they they got developers on board and everything so like they're getting there but it's like I think there's only like two or three people actually like working on the system itself. And I think that's the reason like why it's moving so slow. Yeah. Cause like it was supposed to come out at like the end of March. And like, I think they quietly like delayed it. I don't think they actually came out and said it was delayed, but, well, um, sorry, go ahead. Well, yeah, I was just going to say like, I, I don't, I don't know like when this is going to come out, but it's still kind of like, iffy well and if you're gonna have a delay like that i mean you pretty much have the ultimate excuse this last year you know like you can just say hey you know the pandemic you know so it's kind of a get out of jail free card for developers (laughs) anyway and that that's kind of the thing too it's like i understand like with these like the atari vcs the intellivision amico and everything like that like those two like systems are just like a lightning rod for like just everybody to just come out of the woodwork and stuff like that and just like rile you up and stuff like i got so many like just nasty comments on that atari vcs video you know they're like oh you got scammed and everything and i was like oh, actually like based off of the revenue like i i <laughs> for the atari vcs i'm sorry but you paid for it thanks yeah, I appreciate yeah. <laughs> it. so like but yeah, like too many people like come out in the air and they're like, "Oh, we told you it was a scam in the first place." I was like, "Listen, like, if I anybody who bought this thinking that this is going to be like a game changer or something like that, like, never did Atari ever like say that it was going to be a game changer." Um, you know, you have like that that kind of exposed a darker side to YouTube. Because like what you said, like early in the beginning and stuff, like YouTube, Twitter, and Reddit aren't representative of the entire gamer sphere. Like they represent like maybe the 1% of gamers. So like their opinions and stuff like that, like, yeah, they hold weight and stuff because they get, you know, thousands of views and stuff or, you know, retweets. But that view is still a very minority opinion. And I think, it's it was really telling because a lot of people they just hated on the uh, on the VCS and they're like this is a scam this you know who needs another system you know like we got the PlayStation 4 we got the Nintendo Switch we got the Xbox 1 like we're done we don't need any more systems stop like you can't do it and then the Amico comes along and people are <laughs> like Hey, you know, and those these are the same people who tore apart the VCS saying yep. that it was a scam. And they're like, 
the Amico. I like the Amico. It's 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 the greatest system ever. Like we all should, you know, want the Amico and stuff. And I was like, what? What could be, you know, the reason <laughs> why everybody's kind of like going soft on the Amico and not as you know hard as they did on the VCS? And sure enough, it's like it's Tommy Tallarico that's actually like doing this because like he's putting a face to it and stuff. Like I think you'd be hard pressed to point out who's behind the Atari VCS in a crowd. Like, I don't know who they are. Well, and that's something that I talk about with, um, he's actually going to be on Friday with me, Mike, to talk about the days gone thing. But, uh, you know, we talk about that a lot, like that sort of like hive mentality and like everyone just kind of picks an opinion and follows it. And the initial opinion was that the Atari was going to flop and it was going to be a ripoff that, that maintained, like throughout the narrative that was the narrative like the whole lifespan of that of that and and to be fair like i was one of those people like i gave my opinion on it and i thought well i don't think it's gonna be a ripoff i, I think it's real because so many people didn't even think it was gonna be real i'm like mm-hmm. well i think it's real i think it's gonna ship but is it gonna be what people want and i'm glad that it shipped like i'll be the first to say that you know people put their hard-earned money down on that i'm glad they got their product like it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't matter i'm not gonna buy one but you know i'm, I'm glad that someone did and someone's going to enjoy it but there's like this weird hive mentality of somebody you know says it's bad and they're at the top of the the try the pyramid and then all the 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 five like less popular than them but more popular than most people take that opinion and then they spread it to five people and then all of a sudden the whole like i guess i, I don't even know what to call it like it's not games journalism i guess it's game opinionism it's just like all has the same opinion and then that same opinion was that the Atari VCS was going to suck. And when the Amico was like coming out, everyone was just instantly was like, this is the coolest thing ever. Just like you said. And that was exactly what I thought. And I thought interesting how it's basically the same sort of thing. (laughs) I mean, realistically, I mean, there are differences obviously, but same sort of thing. And then now, but why is this one get all the love? You know, like, like the Intellivision was clearly a less popular system than the Atari was than the, than the 2600, especially. So like where are all these people come out of the woodwork with love for Intellivision? <laughs> just, well, and yeah, um, that's the thing. It's, it's a weird zeitgeist that comes in with like thing. Like I know that certain people were very skeptical of the Amico, but I think like the thing was, is that, you know, Tommy has the advantage of like watching what everybody was talking about the VCS and kind of like, tweaked it just a little bit you know he didn't say like i'm gonna put it on indiegogo and i think that's the biggest like hold up that people had about this thing was that you know they were asking you know full payment up front for this thing so you had to pay i paid 320 dollars or something like that up front of it so you pay 300 dollars up front and then you get it hopefully in a year and then it came and then it was two years like i have a shirt that says like i backed it in 2018 so like i got it at the end of 2020 so you know almost three years that it took for it to go out so like that i understand like what people were very skeptical about but the problem that i had was is that you have this circle that once somebody sets the tone for how people should react to the system, everybody else almost falls in line because nobody wants to be that sore thumb to um, 
you know, you, you, if you call the, the Atari VCS a scam, you're automatically guaranteed thousands of views, right? Tons of people, they don't like it. They're going to come to you. They're going to watch your video. They're going to subscribe to your video and they're going to be like, yeah, it totally is a scam and stuff. And then, but if you're saying that the Amico is a scam, well, you're a hater. Like you, you don't understand (laughs) what it is. You're just a troll or something like that. So, you know, there's tons of like channels that have just sprouted up. There's like 15 anti-Amico channels that now come to my recommended feed. And they're all maybe like one to 250 subscribers. They're just people who just talk about the Amico and how much it sucks and stuff. And like, that's all they do. And like, they only get like one, you know, they're lucky if they get 600 views on a video but like that's kind of like where it goes like you have to like as a youtuber and stuff like that you unfortunately have to like ham up what the what the current climate is and stuff and that's that's something that i refuse to do and stuff and like that's kind of the reason why like my channel is the way that it is and stuff like i'm not gonna like sugarcoat uh anything and be like Oh, you know, PlayStation 3 games, you like you really should buy now, you guys, and stuff like that, because that's the thing. I'm like, well, I'm gonna tell you the truth, like even if it's inconvenient. And like my integrity as like a person and stuff like that expands beyond like what my YouTube channel is. Yeah, I like that, man. I, I respect that a lot. And that's you know, I, I feel like even when I was because for a long time, like my YouTube channel, I was basically taking my podcast I was doing and then cutting up snippets and putting that online. And that's where like all my Billy Mitchell stuff came from. And, and then I realized I was essentially just doing like that kind of, we talked about it pre-show, but like, you know, it was almost like that drama, drama tube, drama alert, YouTube stuff. And I'm like, I hate this man. Like, that's not me. I want to, I want to educate. I want to share experience with the people I don't, and I want to give my opinion, but I don't want to like, I don't want to be that guy who's just like ranting on about shit. So like I stopped doing those Greg talks videos. Like I would put up a couple of the GameStop ones cause they always got good pull and, I feel it was a good conversation with me and my, with my friend, John, because me and him both worked at GameStop for a long time. We had a lot to add to the conversation, but yeah, I'm with you, man. Like there's just, there's, there's ways that obviously to get the clicks, to get the views, you can, you can, you can work the system to an extent. Um, but I, I think yeah, people will respect you- that you don't, you know, and I think there are people out there and that's who I hope the larger audience is, right? Like I hope that there's an audience out there that one doesn't want a thumbnail with my stupid face making like a goofy ass face and that there's people that just want to be like fed information in a normal way, not screeching and you know, all that stuff. Yeah. Like, and that's, that's kind of the thing too, is like you, there definitely is a market for, um, wholesome, not necessarily wholesome, but just like chill vibe, retro gamers and stuff like that, you know, that, um, there's a new guy that's been popping up. His um, his channel is called Retro Bird, and he's been blowing up lately. And he's he's just got like this goofy face, this goofy like um, mentality and stuff like that. And he's just chill and stuff. Like that. It's him talking in front of a microphone about random gaming, retro gaming topics. Like his last video was about um, games that you that you wish you had when you were a kid or something like that. I love that, man. That's great. So so like his, his whole, his whole aesthetic. Yeah. It's like games you wanted, but never got and stuff. And so it's just him like being like, Hey, you know, like there was a story and stuff like that. When, 
Majora's Mask came out and stuff, and there was a huge mad dash to the blockbuster and stuff because that blockbuster only had one copy. And it's like he taps into like that nostalgia. And you're like, oh man, I remember like going to you know the video store and stuff like that and renting the one game for the weekend and stuff, you know, <laughs> and like you know it being out or something like that, you know. So like there is there is like a longevity to it too. And I think like, you know, talking about drama is like great, but eventually like they all start to like meld into the same, like one person talks about some toxic Twitch streamer or something like that. And then every single one of these like, um, commentary YouTubers, that's all they talk about for the next week, you know? Yeah. No. Nope. And so it's, it's, it's very, it's, it's not, I want to like, and that's the thing too, is like my channel, you know, it grows like hopefully like my, I'm, I'm hoping that I'll hit 5,000 subscribers by the end of the year. Like, I mean, I still have a long way to go and like I, I'm at um, 4,700 right now. So I think like I could, I could definitely get there by June if I really push it. But also what's cool about it is like each subscriber that comes into my channel like, I feel like I've earned them organically, and they're the ones who actually want to watch my videos and stuff. And yeah. like, yep. That's more important for me is like more engagement and stuff like that on my things. Cause like that video that I put out last week about Chicago and the Grand Theft Auto thing, like that bombed. <laughs> and I think it's because like, cause like the analytics on it were like the reach was like significantly lower than my other videos like 2.9 thousand like 3,000 impressions that i got on this video and then let's see what this most recent one is because i don't know if it'll tell you right away um 1.4 thousand impressions in the first um couple hours here yeah first five hours now now did you put grand theft auto 6 in the title because that probably would have got you a million views in like five seconds <laughs> maybe i'll change it up or something like that but like i that's what i want to do i want to do these local pixels things and like that that's like my next like trying to break that out but um it's it's a it's a process and stuff that you unfortunately like with youtube and stuff like i've learned is like because i actually watch other channels and stuff like some some youtubers like they just put out youtube videos and then they don't watch youtube and like what i find is like if i find like a guy or you know any person that i find on youtube and i like their content then i'll go and like i'll binge the rest of their content you know i'll be like man i really like this video because it was recommended to me and stuff and i'm like what else do they have i'll just like go through everything and that's what i've done for like my retronomics and like my other videos and stuff i'm like okay like you need to make like relevant content so that when people do find it like there's more for them to like go back on and like watch and then also like they can subscribe because they know it's not just like a one-off video yeah and i think that that's one thing i I will say about my channel that i do the drop rate with the guys is that we're we're not a team of people making content worth we're three guys making content for one channel. So there's no cohesion there. And it's not, this isn't a rip on it at all. So if those guys are listening, like I'm not, I'm not dogging our process because we're, I mean, we're getting close to 10,000 subs, which has been like our goal forever. And, and that's fine. Um, I think we're going to hit 9,000 soon. So we're, we're, we're getting there, but 
like, um, you know, like uh, Jordan will do a bunch of these Tony Hawk custom skate park videos. And it's just him being chill playing through these custom made parks and they get hundreds of views and it does really well. Well, I don't play that. So I put up some videos of like some of the mythic plus raids I'm doing in World of Warcraft. And I'll get so many thumbs down on those videos because it's from his Tony Hawk people. <laughs> and they're like, they're, yeah, like, I don't, what's this World of Warcraft shit? I don't want to watch this. And then I'll put up some Monster Hunter videos and people will like those. But the people who like my Monster Hunter ones don't like my World of Warcraft ones. And those people don't like the Tony Hawk ones. So it's almost like we're fighting for our audience. Like what you're doing is you're, you're like, I, I really respect what you're saying there where you're really building like a cohesive channel where one video will lead them into the rest of your content as to where us, we're still doing like the, you throw everything at the wall and see what sticks, you know? And, and I think eventually there's going to be a reckoning on my channel that way, where like, we're going to have to come to an understanding, like what's, what's our goal for the channel? Like, is it just a, is it just literally the drop rate where we're just dropping <laughs> whatever we want to play on there? Or do we want to grow it through like targeted, you know, and, and even if it's just indie games, like you can do that. You can say, well, our whole channel is about playing five indie games every week. You know, that's, that would work, you know, as opposed to like, well, this, like right now, I mean, and it's, it's during the pandemic, we're all just trying to get content out any way we can. Like, uh, I don't, I mean, I can't speak for you cause I know you're, you've got your system. I know you've scaled back a little bit cause you were trying to do one a week. I think right now you're doing one every other. Um, and, and so like, for me, it's like, I just try to get anything out so that I feel like I'm contributing to the channel at this point. Cause I, I just feel like I'm drowning at work <laughs> and like, but I don't want to abandon these guys. You know, it's, it, it's, especially when it's not your full-time job. Like it's, it's a different kind of feel, but yeah, that happened to me. Like we, um, one of my friends, he, um, he's like an entrepreneur and stuff. And so he like, he gets these ideas and stuff and he, he, um, him and like a whole bunch of other friends, like they're in the gaming industry and everything like the the young horses guys the octodad guys those yeah that's like that's like a a friend of a friend you know like that's how close i am to them like if i wanted you know a little bit more insider and stuff like that i could reach out to them and like get them like so i know a little bit more about that but like we started this thing before i did the youtube we did um a thing called epic power gaming and it was supposed to be like the four of us writing articles and stuff and like doing the blogs and everything. And we're like, at first it started out really well. And then like suddenly it, it just became me doing these <laughs> articles. And I'm like, like you can't, you can't grow a, a thing like that by just having one person collaborate and do it and stuff because like that is difficult like doing written like growing writtenly and stuff like that is just like really difficult and you know so like yeah i know like what happens like when you have like a collaborative effort like that and like you feel that you're not pulling your weight because that's always tough and but like that's why i like doing the youtube channel by myself is because like man if, if i'm not feeling it i'm just not feeling it but it still makes me feel guilty though. Right. <laughs> yeah. I think naturally you just feel guilty anyway. <laughs> um, yeah. well, let me tell you, man, I could talk to you for hours. Um, <laughs> we'll have to do another one. Yeah, for sure, man. I was just going to say, pro promise me you'll come back and we'll, we'll do another one. We'll talk some more Turkey because I, I have to know, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to know when this bubble deflates slash bursts 
because it's not sustainable, the growth it's at right now. And so I'm very curious because, you know, this is one thing I wanted to say to you too, you know, as someone who's been, I've had my own store for 10 years and I worked for GameStop for 10, uh, 11 years before that. So I've literally been selling video games for 21 years. We're in completely uncharted waters right now. Like the, 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 cycl- the cyclical nature of this business, the ebbs and flows, it's upside down and backwards. There's, there's no, like, I don't think anybody's going to, can predict what's going to happen right now. And it's not even just video games. It's all collectibles. I have a friend who owns a comic book shop, same sort of thing. Like it is just nuts. So I'm, I'll I have you back on once. I don't know if it's once we see like the, the, let's, on let's the horizon, talk in, let's talk in June. I'll, I'll do a dollar bet and say that by June, we should see prices like start to level out. I, I, I like that. I like that. Um, we'll, 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 let's plan for that, and we'll do like a recap in June. Um, yeah. So uh, before I let you go, though, um, again, give your you know plug your socials, plug your YouTube channel, and and uh, and we'll get you out of here. Awesome. Well, I mean, you can uh, search Super Nintendo on YouTube. Um, like now, I've I've managed to do enough SEO to where it doesn't say, "Did you mean Super Nintendo?" So that's always good. Um, <laughs> But if you want to get like direct, you can uh, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Snicktendo, S-N-I-K-T-E-N-D-O, because Super Nintendo was taken. But yeah, Snicktendo, it works. Um, and then like that has the link in my bio and everything like that to the channel and stuff. So I post more on Twitter than I do on Instagram. Um, I, I'm building out furniture and stuff so that I can have like a dedicated like um a place to shoot photos but for now like yeah twitter and instagram are my only guys here nice and and to to the audience out there i can guarantee you his videos are better than dreamcast guys videos <laughs> so <laughs> sorry i just take a cheap shot at him anytime you can um so nick man thank you so much this was uh this was super fun and like i'd mentioned in the pre-show like I had to work today and we got just slammed with trades. Like I, I literally bought five grand worth of trades today in one day. Oh wow. It's one of those days. Like it was crazy. And so whenever I have a day like that, I, cause I wanted to think out more questions for you, you know, and help guide the conversation. And I'm like, I just need like an hour of quiet time today to like get this done. And I didn't even have it. So then I got to the point like, man, should I just message him? And should I just, should I just push it back? And I'm like, Oh, I didn't. I'm so glad I didn't because this was awesome. So I just wanted to say thank you again for, for coming on. And again, uh, super Nintendo, look it up on YouTube, find him on Twitter. He's one, you're one of my favorite people to talk to on Twitter, man. And, uh, I don't know if you're planning this year, but I am going to Midwest gaming classic this year in uh, November. I think I'll, I will be there because, um, I, I have tickets left over from last year. So I definitely, I think we'll go, um, I was thinking about going to too many games, but that's going to be like too close up to the Midwest game. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do that one, but I definitely want to do the Midwest gaming classic. Yeah. I decided this year I'm taking, so we're actually closing the store for that weekend and we're going to, I'm going to take the staff down as like a staff party, kind of like a, oh, that'd I be mean, awesome. t- technically we call it a, a, a team building exercise. So that can deduct <laughs> it on my taxes, <laughs> but yeah, yeah no, it's our business, man. Yeah. But, but it'll be cool because, um, ultimately though, we are going to check it out and decide if we want to have a booth down there, but it's so hard to do a booth down there right now, knowing that I have to shut down a weekend to do it because the money I would make down there is the same money I make in a weekend being open. Now that we've kind of, we've breached 
the every customer now. Like it used to be we were a game store for like game collectors and stuff, but now like I guarantee when we close that weekend, we're just gonna have a bunch of irritated people that were just didn't know that we were closed because they just don't they don't know about game conventions. They don't care. They're just moms with kids who want to buy games, and you know, so that sucks. We'll have to give them like a whole month notice that we're gonna be closed. But um, but it's also kind of a thank you to my crew too because they've just been busting ass during all this. And you know, as you can imagine, um, not every customer has been super pleasant <laughs> over the last yeah. year. <laughs> I can imagine. Like working retail in a pandemic is is no bueno. Like I know that, especially like you know, up in Wisconsin, like there's certain patches where it might like it doesn't exist up there. Apparently, the so, the further north you get, yeah, the further north you get, it definitely and and you know they're more spaced out and it's yeah you know. But when you get a lot of tourists, especially like the Door County area, I was like, man, you guys get so many people driving up from Chicago, Milwaukee to this area. Like you'd want to be really careful. You'd think, you know. But yeah, I mean, like it is and stuff like, you know, and hopefully people get vaccinated and everything. Like I've been vaccinated for a month. So nice. Um, uh, same here, actually. I, I'm, I'm officially good to go. And um, my whole family, my wife had her shot. She's just waiting for like the, the grace period or whatever, I guess you'd call it. Yeah. And so we actually get we I think we'll be able to get together for Mother's Day, which would be nice. So that'd be great. Yeah. Like, I um. Right now, like, um, my wife's birthday is this Friday, so we're, um, we have, like, a handful of people who are all vaccinated and stuff, so we're gonna go to, um, the Temperance Brewery and hang out and stuff, so it'll be the first time in a year that we've actually been, like, in the vicinity of each other. (laughs) Nice, yeah, I haven't, I haven't, I don't know when I'm gonna return to indoor dining. I may never. I really like eating at home now. (laughs) Just getting everything delivered. (laughs) We, yeah, like, we don't, we haven't, like, eaten indoors yet. Um, the closest that we've gotten is like, they have like an outdoor canopy with like heaters and stuff, but that's as close as we're going to get right now. Like we're not maybe next year or something like that. Yeah. We're really in no hurry to like eat at a restaurant. Yeah. And that's, I don't know. It's weird, but that's kind of where I'm at too. So, um, but thank you again, Nick. And thank you everybody for listening. Uh, remember you can follow me on Twitter at game trade, Greg, you can subscribe on YouTube at youtube.com slash drop rate and of course follow us on twitch at twitch.tv slash the drop rate um i'm already doing my 24-hour live stream um build up and we've already raised almost two thousand bucks for the charity this year so uh, obviously any any extra donations and any extra sharing really helps a lot so thank you everybody as always for that and uh, once again nick thank you my friend we'll connect back together in june and we'll we'll talk some game prices man i'll talk to you later all right thanks so much i'll talk to you later take care